Judge Judy is still on TV. I heard last week that Law and Order is coming back again. Why? Because we love that kind of stuff, right? We love it when somebody sits up in judgment and causes a pronouncement on someone else. It happens every day in the courtrooms, on the ball field, judgment happens. And we love that kind of thing. Because even though you and I may not be in the courtroom, we may not be a referee or an umpire on the field, we pass judgment every single day. Daily, we practice law. Wives, when was the last time you conducted a meticulous interrogation on your family to figure out who left the empty milk jug in refrigerator, right? Husbands, when's the last time you put together a well-crafted argument saying, yes, you really were the last one to empty the dishwasher? And how many of us have heard our kids put together well-crafted arguments and graphs as evidence that frozen pizza really does have four food groups in it? We love to judge. Beyond that, we love to argue. Some people are prone to arguing. They'll argue that the sky is falling just to get in an argument with people. The problem is when we move from simple debate and promotion of ideas into becoming critical people, people of criticism. You ever watch or listen to the movie critics used to be Cecil and uh, Cisco and Ebert were the favorite ones. Now there's all kinds of them. They'll take the latest $100 million film and tear it to pieces in a matter of seconds. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, we do that with life. We do that with our relationships. We do that with our church, our communities, our work, and even our marriages. We sometimes become professional critics. And social media, man, that has just made it all worse. And it's as if Jesus knew that you and I were going to struggle with this. Because when he sat down and shared the greatest message ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, and he told us how to live, he took some time to deal with criticism. He called it judging. Matthew chapter 7, if you've got your phones or your Bible, Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 1, Jesus said this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the what? Plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take, take, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your, your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet 
and turn and tear you to pieces. I've noticed for those of us who have spent years putting on the black robe, slamming the gavel, it promises satisfaction, it promises pleasure, but along with it comes baggage and suffering. So for those of us that have a tendency to be critical, and I'm not pointing the finger at anyone but myself here because I can be too, I want to give you three cautions to think about. First, if you're going to be a critic, you're going to have to learn how to keep score. You're going to have to learn how to keep score. Much like a referee in a basketball game, you're going to have to learn how to keep track of the fouls that people have in your game of life. And you can't judge one person one way and another person the other way. It all has to be consistent. And while you're at it, you better make sure you're looking in the mirror that you measure up to the same judgment you're making on those around you. George Barnett did a survey and asked a bunch of people who do not go to church, unchurched, unchurched people, to define a Christian. Their top two re responses, of course, Christians go to church more than I do. That was number one. Number two, Christians judge more than I do. And that's true. Madeline Murray O'Hara, one of the heads of the atheist movement, used to say, the thing that I love most about Christians is they're always tearing up their wounded. Ouch. Where Paul challenges us in 1 Corinthians 13, we know well that love keeps no record of what? Wrongs. Jesus tells us not to judge, but we fall so, so short of that command. Second problem with criticism is we tend to be most critical of the things that we fear. We tend to be most critical of the things that we fear. It's the fear that someone might look a little better than us, might be a little more successful than us, might have more fame than us. So we try to blow out their candle to make our candle shine a little bit brighter. To make ourselves look higher and them look lower. And that kind of constant bittering about people and bringing them down can be exhausting if we get into that. Third, we assume a privilege that we have not earned. If you're going to be a judge, you have to be elected into that position. People have to choose you to be a judge. When you and I, we get frustrated because if you've ever found yourself maybe coming across judgmental to someone, you've heard them say, listen, who made you? Who made you judge of me? Ever hear that? You know, who, who appointed you? Who elected you to be judge? Whenever I get frustrated with my own judgmental spirit, I've got to stop and reflect on Jesus and the way that he lived and the way that he treated people. Because if there was every, ever anyone who deserved the right to put on the black robe and hold the gavel, it was Jesus himself. But he lived life totally different than that. I think about one time when he was with his disciples on the boat, and they landed on the shore. He got out of the boat, and they walked up, and there, had, there was a man there who was chained up because the people no, wanted, no longer wanted him in their town. He was demon-possessed. They wanted him out because he didn't fit into their way of life. 
Maybe you've never met anybody that's demon-possessed. But let me ask you, have you ever alienated someone because they were maybe obsessed with themselves because of their ego, maybe because of their pride, maybe it was because of a sin in their life, maybe because their morals didn't exactly add up to where yours are, and so you set them mentally outside in chains in your mind. Jesus walks up to this guy and says, listen, I know everyone else has slammed the gavel on your life, but I want to heal you. I want to heal you. I want to love you. It's at times when I get critical that I've got to go back to Jesus. Because again, if there's ever anyone who deserved to be judged, it was him. But he chose to live a life in obscurity. He chose to live a life healing, teaching, loving, and showing people grace and showing us how to live. I need to stop every once in a while and say, Jesus, you know, all I want is you. All I want to do is live like you. I'm not doing too well right now. But Jesus, show up on my life a little bit stronger because Jesus, all I want is you. Say it with me. Jesus, all I want is you. Again, Jesus, all I want is you. Reflect on those words as Zach sings. Listen to this.
Take me back to where we started. Open up my heart. I'm caught up in your presence. And I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this. Father, may that be in our hearts, that desire. God, when we get caught up in the ways of this world and what we're talking about this morning, God, putting on the black robe and picking up the gavel and becoming a critic to those around us and to this world, God, may we pause and get caught up in your presence, curl up into your arms, God, and allow you to give us 
the attitude of your son, Jesus Christ. For God, nothing we desire more as believers in him is to be more like him. Yet Jesus is all we want, is all we want. It's in his name we pray, amen. So is it ever right to judge? I mean, you want to hear that, right? You want to hear, it's okay sometimes to judge. Sometimes you got to make that judgment call. I mean, your friend is burnt out on life. His marriage is a disaster. His job is going down and it's going to crash. You know he's developed an unhealthy relationship with a woman at work. So you decide to confront him. You sit him down and you say, hey, listen, I see where your life's headed. I know where this is going. Can I steer you in a different direction? And he's going to look at you and say, who are you to judge? Or there's some co-workers that go out, hit the bar, do a little happy hour time. They keep inviting you to go. You keep turning them down, turning them down. And eventually one of them put two and two together. They confront you and say, okay, you think you're better than us? Who are you to judge? But is it ever right to judge? A couple of questions based on this passage that we read that might help us. First, what does it say, this passage, about constructive criticism? We always, when we criticize, we say, yeah, just give me a little constructive criticism. Whenever I get criticized, you know, people are coming up and Jeff, can, can I give you a little constructive criticism? Like that gives it like a pass. Oh, yeah, go ahead, whatever you got. Well, sometimes it is beneficial. Sometimes it helps, though, to give an evaluation. You know, if you're, take, you're evaluating someone's job performance and they're lousy, you don't want to say, oh, you're doing great. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. No, you want to say, well, you can improve here and you can improve here. And it's beneficial. It's a tough road, but it's beneficial. When it comes to us as followers of Jesus, there needs to be times when brothers or sisters come to us and, and speak into our life. Let us know what's going on. They may say, you know what? I'm not sure the way you're living right now is the way you're supposed to be living. I don't think it's healthy for your spiritual life and for your spiritual growth. Or, hey, can, can I remind you, Greg, the church isn't all about you. How have you been serving lately? What have you been doing for God instead of God doing it for you? Those are tough words. But sometimes they're beneficial. Jesus gives room for that in these verses. Notice again, he says, first take the plank out of your eye, then you'll be able to clearly remove the speck from your brother's eye. So he's not saying take the plank out of your eye and forget about it. He's saying take it out of your own eye so that you can help your brother or your sister because of what needs to be done. The message puts it this way. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your face is distorted by contempt? Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Paul actually tells us in Galatians 6.1 that there are proper ways to constructively criticize someone. 
He says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Now to put kindness in there, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Tempted, yeah, tempted to enter in the same sin, tempted to enter into the same walk of life, tempted to put on the black robe and begin to judge them, all kinds of ways. But Jesus says, you got to be discerning in this. Matthew 7, he said, do not give, do not give dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to the pigs. What does that mean? Well, keep the gospel, keep the message of Christ to yourself. No, he's saying, be careful. Don't go throwing your heart into every arena or you might get hurt. You might get trampled on. Guard your heart, Proverbs says. Jesus also says, do not judge or you too will be what? Yeah, judged. It'll come back at you. So be careful, use discernment, but sometimes it's proper to offer constructive criticism. Next question. When do we cross the line and become judge? When do we cross that line? I think Jesus wants us to pay attention here to the tendencies in our lives when we move beyond constructive criticism to the point where we put on the black robe, we pick up the gavel, and we flip the switch on somebody, so to speak. Maybe you're sitting, watching the nightly news, you see all these people picketing because their lifestyle is different. They want the government to change. They feel like the church has neglected them and let them down. And you get mad, angry, click off the TV. You say, serves them right. I hope they all just suffer. You just slammed the gavel. You've slammed the gavel. Or you might come to worship someday and you look over and you see a former employer. You begin to think back to the illegal business dealings or the way they treated you or treated other employees. You think, you know, what are they doing here? Don't they know they're not going to put up with that stuff here? You slam the gavel. We do it all the time. Where God says, listen, I want you to wake up each day knowing that everybody in the world, including you, has a chance to accept my love, forgiveness, and grace. Where you and I, every time we judge somebody, we simply say, time's up for you. I'm done with it. And God says, don't do that. That's my job. God says, don't do that. I wear the robe. Story is told. It's an old story, and I love it. It's about a boy in New York City named Sashi. Sashi was frail, kind of sickly, uncoordinated, didn't hang out with other kids very much. But one Saturday afternoon, he said to his dad, he said, hey, <clears throat> I'd like to go down to the park and play baseball with the other guys. His dad thought about it, thought he'd just be humiliated. They'd make fun of him. He was totally uncoordinated. He said, I don't know, Sashi. You probably already have a game going on. I don't think they'll let you in. 
He said, Dad, I'd like to try. Can we go? His dad thought, well, it'd be good for him to get outside, so he agreed. They got down to the park to the field, and sure enough, the game was in the bottom of the eighth inning. Everybody was already playing. But the dad walked up to the third base coach. He says, Coach, listen, my boy Sashi wants to play. Can he play with you guys today? Coach went over and asked the team, is it okay if Sashi plays? Everybody said, yeah, that's fine. So they let him into the game, and the top of the ninth inning comes around. They're down by six runs. Surely he can't hurt anything. They put him out into the shallow outfield. His dad's thinking, well, that's good because nobody will hit the ball there. We really can't, can't get hurt. His dad gets nervous. The pitcher steps up to the mound, and luckily and fortunately, he strikes out all three batters, and they never even hit the ball. They went back into the dugout. It was time for them to bat, and something amazing started to happen. They started hitting the ball, scoring runs, and they loaded the bases, and the winning run stepped up to winning run stepped up to the plate, the winning batter. And guess who it was? Sashi. Sashi. His dad's nervous, thinking, oh, he's gonna strike out. He's gonna lose the game. He's gonna be humiliated. Sashi stands there at the plate. And the pitcher realizes what's going on and who he is. And he steps off of the mound, gets a little bit closer to home plate, and lobs the ball in for Sashi. Sashi swings and misses the ball. Well, then one of his teammates come out of the dugout. They get behind Sashi. They help him grab hold of the bat. Pitcher lobs it in. Smack, they hit the ball up the middle. The pitcher catches it, though. Sashi's running the first base. The pitcher throws the ball over first base into the out right, into right field. Sashi rounds first, goes to second. The right fielder picks up the ball, throws the ball over the third baseman's head into the stands, and the right fielder yells, run, Sashi, run. Sashi rounds, begins to round third. The left fielder picks up the ball and holds on to it. It says, run, Sashi, run, Sashi. He rounds third, heads to home, touches home base, and scores the winning run. His dad said, that day, I knew his life would change because he'd been accepted and he'd been loved for the very first time. You see, Jesus died on a cross to give all of us acceptance and love. But our problem is sometimes we like to choose who's eligible for that. Where you and I have sinned just as much as anybody else in this world. I don't care who they are. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I gotta remind myself of that. When I get critical, I need to look inside and I need to come back to Jesus and I need to come back to the cross because it was at the cross where I found grace, I found mercy. It was there that Jesus said, I'm gonna carry you off the field. I'm gonna carry you. 
in spite of your bitterness, in spite of your guilt, in spite of your shame, I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give you forgiveness. And I want to do that for everyone, he says. And so, who am I to be judge? Father, I pray that we can reflect on this today. Because God, so much in this world, every news program, God, even every ad that comes on, people are criticizing each other. And God, may we come to you. May we come to your feet and your throne so we don't fall into that, God. Because there's only one who sits on the throne. And you're him. You're him. So God, help us to be more and more like you and live like your son Jesus in this world. It's in his name we pray.